When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in. It is another episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. All you got to do is go there, follow the podcast, and then start getting the new episodes whenever they are ready. Like, as soon as this one was ready, you got it in your Odyssey app if you went ahead and followed the podcast. Or wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iTunes, go in there. Follow the podcast, favorite it, like it, subscribe, whatever you're going to do. Then uh, feel free to leave some some ratings and reviews. Give us some five stars. Let us know what a great job we're doing. We'll talk to Dave Damashik, noted Pittsburgher and huge Penguins fan from L.A. later about what exactly went on this weekend. Sheng Peng, who covers the Sharks for San Jose Hockey Now, SJ Hockey Now, about a couple of things that are kind of intertwined. A, what should we expect from the Sharks when the Pens get out there uh, Tuesday night? And B... Uh, are there some San Jose Sharks who could be Pittsburgh Penguins by the end of the month? I don't know, but we'll definitely dig into it with him. Uh, but we start with our good friend, Eric Tangrady. Tango, how was the weekend? Are you uh, recovering from what I know was a difficult loss for your Eagles? Yeah, no, um, still, we're, we're still a little bit bitter, but you know what? It was a great football game. I think everybody can agree with that. Um, it was an unbelievable football game. Stars, you know, the stars shined. That's what you want to see in the biggest games and the biggest moments. Um, even shout out to Rihanna. I think she shined too. So yeah. uh, all the stars, start to finish. Um, but now it was a good football game. I just would have loved just one opportunity to go down the field and and see if they could have you know made a comeback or not. But that, that's football. Yeah, Jalen Hurts was uh, was an, other than the fumble, he was an absolute stud. Uh, so I mean, anybody else in the world, he probably beats that team, and probably other than Patrick Mahomes on the other side, he probably beats them and and has himself a Super Bowl MVP uh, come Monday morning. But you're right, here nor there, it was a great game. Let's start with what happened Saturday night. Uh, forget Sunday night. Saturday night out in L.A. after a great game Friday in Anaheim. The Pens go up the road about an hour to Crypto.com Arena, what is Staples, whatever you want to call it. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I've seen them have uh, dull spots this year. I don't know what it was. It, 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 were you able to put a finger on what exactly happened to them Saturday night? You know what? I, I can sympathize with what happened with them. I will go back and um, I know people are trying to probably tired of my own stories, but my worst NHL game to date. 
and someone will probably be like, oh, I've seen you play a lot of bad NHL games. But anyways, <laughs> um, my worst NHL game to date, Saku Koivu night in Montreal against the Anaheim Ducks. We were scheduled to play an 8 o'clock game. We went out for warm-ups at 7.15. We sat on the bench for 63 minutes before we were then given 30 seconds to do three hot laps and play a hockey game. Um, that being said, like, sure, both teams went through that experience. Maybe that should have been for, for both, but you, they just looked like a team that had, like, literally just been sitting for an hour and then had to go play a hockey game. Um, so I think they got kind of caught with caught up in the emotions of Dustin Brown night. Right. Um, maybe the emotions created some momentum for LA before the puck even dropped. And um, that's where I'm going to try to give them a little bit of uh, a benefit for that effort. But yeah, I mean, it, the game was over after it seemed like 10 minutes of watching just the, the ice was tilted in one direction for 60 straight minutes. And you rarely see that in a national hockey league game. Yeah, and then you've got Kemp, Adrian Kempe just lining up uh, one-timers on a five-on-three after he's got a natural hat trick in the second period. I could understand why Sid was a bit frazzled towards the end. He takes a cross-check. It's rare you see him. Uh, I don't know if that may be his first ejection of his career. Definitely was. Uh, it, it's rare to see him that perturbed uh, by a call, but he definitely was. And, and the thing that I went back to, and, and I looked this up actually, Eric, is – they now are one six and two in the second half of back to backs. Um, for the oldest team in the league, who has I think five more back to back situations uh, before the end of the season, including two in the next ten days, I think it is. They've got to find a way, and I hate to just blame it on age because it's not like they're, it's not like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang are 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 getting worse as they get older. They're still world class players, but. As the oldest team in the league, I think you got to look at the back-to-back situations and wonder how that's affecting them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it all kind of stems back to what we were talking about, about like the depth, right? Like having an, an infusion of young, hungry energy, like Friday night, like the bottom six looked incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they were in hunting on the four check. Like um, you get some secondary scoring, like PO kicks in and, and provides a spark. Like to me, like, that's the type of road period you wanted to see on Saturday on the, the second half of a back-to-back. Like, go out there, you're supposed to win. You got a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence. Well, good teams, when they go into the back-to-back, like, don't have any excuses. And then that's where you get those young energy guys. Someone's got to chip in and give you, like, that that greasy playoff shift in the first. And that's just the piece I think we everybody keeps talking about, like, what's missing of, like, that young, like, hungry can they go out and give us a spark in a back-to-back? Because, yeah, I mean, you can't take back age. You know, you can't take back, right. you know, guys playing 20 minutes in less than 24 hours, do it again. Like, that is tough every single year you you go on with your career. So they just need to find that spark and get that, that just that one line that can go out and provide it for them. What is there a trick to getting back up for a, a, a game on a back-to-back like that? It, regardless of your age, regardless of your experience level, you know, we, we're all familiar, I think, as hockey fans with the old tried-and-true routine of, oh, you've got a morning skate, you go back to the hotel room or your house, depending on whether you're away or at home, you get a little nap in, you wake up, grab coffee, head to the rink. But when you're on the second half of a back-to-back, especially on the road, it's got to throw the routine out of whack a little bit. How do you handle that? 
Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it really is tough. The, the difference is you're, you're generally not pregame skating. Um, you know, you kind of have to fight, figure out a new routine because, um, you know, usually you're up, you get your cup of coffee, you go to skate, you got your video. You, like, there's a lot more time in the day when you're not in a back-to-back. Like, I'm sure, you know, some of those guys are getting to bed after coming down off of a, a, a spirited game on Friday. They're probably getting to sleep two, two in the morning and meetings at 11 30 12 and it's just like boom 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 we're back at the rink it's it's more of mental warfare than it is physical like everybody's not supposed to feel great in that situation but it's the the the, the men who can change their their psychology of like i'm fine like i'm just gonna go play a simple game and some teams actually thrive in back-to-backs because they play a more simplified unified game um in this situation it was a little different and again not to have excuses, but that game, I think, what did it start? Like almost 11, 11 o'clock at yeah. night out here. Like you get an East Coast team going out, that doesn't justify the rest of the stats on the back-to-back. But when you get them going out going out West, like some of those guys with kids are probably in bed at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. They're, they're starting a game at, at 11, finishing at 1, 32 in the morning East Coast time. So that game was kind of a, a, a recipe for disaster, one that you and I looked at. Like, we, we would be stealing points if they actually went in there and won that hockey game anyway. That's a good call. You know, at, by virtue of the win against Colorado coming out of the break, it felt like they had a little wiggle room going out West. And, okay, they've used that up now. And – but they've still got, and, and I guess this is the double-edged sword, right? They've got games in hand on just about everybody else in the playoff race. But part of the problem with that is, like I said, they've got a lot of game, hockey games coming up. they got six games in 10 days, uh, starting with Tuesday against San Jose. Uh, as I mentioned, two of those are back-to-backs. Uh, one of them against Tampa. One of them against the Islanders. So huge games, especially when it comes to the Islanders uh, and the Devils, those are four-point games, really, uh, especially with the Islanders trying to chase them down. So they've got to figure out a way to be better than the 1-6-2 and two they've been in the second half of those back-to-backs to this point. Uh, the other thing about the, the, the second half of the season so far, the stretch run, is we, we're back to inconsistent goaltending. Um, we got a great game from Casey DeSmith against the Avalanche coming out of the break, right? I mean, he was the reason they were still in that thing and able to come back and win. Unreal overtime from him, especially in the Colorado game. Played solid enough against Anaheim. That was more about a total team effort. You talked about the bottom two forward lines being particularly grimy and doing what they had to do. But then you go to L.A., and he doesn't get out of the second period. Uh, And it's, you know, when it's one thing when you've got Jari and DeSmith and you feel like maybe you can lean on one guy if the other one's struggling. When it's just Casey DeSmith and Dustin Tokarski, God love him, is, is an AHL call-up at this point in his career, it, it feels like they're really hamstrung when they don't get the best of the best performance from Casey DeSmith. And I just, I, I'm caught wondering now, even if they get Jari back for Tuesday night's game against the Sharks, down the stretch and into the playoffs, do they feel totally comfortable with what they have in net? Yeah, and I think that's where, the, in my opinion, the biggest error was. Regardless of the Smith leaving the rink on Friday against Anaheim and saying, you know, I wasn't overly taxed. I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go back to back. Like 2023, the NHL, not many goaltenders are playing back to backs. Right. Right. Like even in that situation, you do have a, a call up in Tukarski, who does have plenty of NHL experience. I mean, I think he started almost half a year for Buffalo uh recently so i would allow for them to start him and just let the smith keep riding that confidence because again we talk you never go into a game thinking you're going to lose but you had to just think that you were going to get like 
you were going to get stymied a little bit by out going into LA waiting Dustin Brown night. Like I would have let the Smith ride that high of his confidence, give him the back-to-back off regardless of what he said. Cause now we're back in this situation. And, and what we're, we're, we talked about is like, this is a huge game against San Jose. Like this is a take care of business national hockey league game. And yeah. how's the confidence? And we're back to kind of where we started, where it would have been the, Let's let Tukarski start. Maybe that sparks a little fire in the team that we got to play a solid defensive effort. Um, and I think that's where maybe a little bit of a judgment call was mistaken going into that game Saturday. That's a good call. I think we were all surprised when we saw that the Smith definitely was going to be back in there Saturday night in L.A. Let's let's fast forward just a little bit to the playoffs. Let's assume they're, they're in there and a wild card because that looks like where they're going to slot in eventually. Let's assume Jari and the Smith are healthy. Your opinion, is that good enough to get through a round of the playoffs against either, say, Boston or Carolina, a healthy Jari and the Smith? Today, no. Today, I mean, we talk about needing to steal a game, and a game was stolen against Colorado, so that gives me hope, gives us hope, peace of mind, like maybe he can, but like to consistently do it in, we'll say, to beat that team, you're going to need to probably go six or seven games like right. we're gonna need two of those games stolen um seven games in 14 days like there's no time for for mistakes you got to be ready to rock yeah i i just i it, it, as we approach the trade deadline and we're what like two and a half weeks away from it now i keep finding myself wondering how important is the possible addition of a different backup maybe swapping out the smith for somebody else on the trade market, but knowing everything else that they've got to try and dig up a deal for at the deadline, I just don't know how realistic it is knowing the the lack of resources that Ron Hextall has at, at his disposal at this point, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at probably trading second through fifth round is basically like the assets that they're willing to part with right now. Like, what does that really get you? I think even more so than a backup goaltender, like they need a depth forward in some yeah. capacity. Um, and it's wishful thinking to kind of play, you know, uh, couch uh, GM. Um, but like, what does truly a second round pick get you in this market after you just watch Bo Horvat go for what he went for? Like Timo Meyer is the next piece. Like you're going to have, you're looking at young prospect first and something else for like a Timo Meyer. Um, so the market, it, it changes every year. Like last year, I don't know if the market was as strong, but like this year, the market is, there's a lot of teams who just feel like they're missing one piece, have some cap space that can really go after somebody. Um, so I don't know where that puts the penguins. Like they, they to me, it seems like they're like, a, um, you know, right on the dot trade deadline minute, try to sneak a deal in for a pick and just see what the market tells them before they can be aggressive. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of people that are starting to hope that maybe because of the way there was salary retained by St. Louis and the Tarasenko deal, that maybe the Penguins could try and swing something similar. I just wonder if, like you said, if Ron Hextall isn't willing to deal that first-round pick, then it's kind of a non-starter on any big names, and you kind of relegate yourself to that second tier, which, understanding, they need a depth forward, but you do. You relegate yourself to that second tier of guys that may be available come deadline day, and you're not talking about Timo Meyer or even a, a Ryan O'Reilly or, a, you know, Jonathan Taves might be out there and available. You're not anywhere near that market. You are more down in the, and it's not a knock against him, but uh, a depth guy like a Max Domi, right? That's, that's where you end up looking is because if you're not going to touch your first round pick, then you are, you're, you're really limiting yourself. And again, that's not even accounting for the salary cap gymnastics that have to, have to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the salary cap stuff, again, like the Phoenix or Phoenix, Arizona has like really made kind of a, a draft capital off of just retaining salary. And um, I forget what the stats were, but they, I mean, like for even holding $2 million, it's like a third or a fourth round pick just to hold that cap space. Like yeah. that's the equity and just trying to bring the right person over to do that. Um, you'd have to move a, a significant piece uh, and get some help. But yeah, no, I totally agree. It'll be interesting to see what they um, they have up their sleeve as we get closer to, to trade deadline day. Well, Tango, I'll let you run. I know you got a practice uh, to run over at Shadyside, and uh, we'll get together if it's all right with you Wednesday. We'll uh, see how things go Tuesday night in San Jose, and we'll be a couple days closer to the deadline and hope, hopefully a couple more points in the bank for the Pens. Sounds good. I'm going to put together a little uh, wish list uh, of oh, a couple players. I that, like that. Uh, I'd like for maybe some of our listeners to just kind of watch. It'll be some players they're probably not used to uh, checking in on, but I'll, I'll try to come up with three to five players that I think can make a, a difference in, and realistically someone they can go after. So that'll be something exciting to talk about Wednesday. I love it. We'll do it on Wednesday. Thanks again for the time, man. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Chris. So there you have it. A little uh, armchair GM work from Eric Tangrady, former Penguin who joins us a couple times a week here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. He'll have a wish list, a little list punched up for Ron Hextall to maybe pay attention to because we all know he's listening to and downloading Fifth Avenue Faceoff, just as you should be on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. When we come back uh, from SJ Hockey Now, uh, also Locked on Sharks, catch up with Sharks insider Sheng Peng next here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.